This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. What if Lorelai were a boy? <laughs> Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season four, episode three of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, The Hobbit, The Sofa, and Digger Styles. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Harsh Light of Day. These were good. Yeah, I think these are both pretty good. This is maybe my favorite Gilmore so far. Ever? No. Wow. Of this season. The best one ever. I didn't really like the first two that much. Yeah, I agree. They both weren't that great. And this is probably the best Buffy so far. So far this season, yeah. Ever. <laughs> ever, yeah. Just kidding. We're making chili. We might need to get up to stir that from time to time. Yeah, well, you just you just sit there silently while we do it. Please. Yeah, we'll probably edit out that part. In fact, if you're like doing the dishes or something, just stand there and wait for us to compare. <laughs> we'll we'll check in. We'll yell from the kitchen. Like, Chili's almost stirred. We don't have any neighbor news today. I wish we had something fun happen, but nothing is happening, which is actually good news, I suppose. I mean, that guy looks in at me like every time he walks by. I think he might be checking for the cat. Yeah. I hope it's that. It's probably that. He seems like an animal person. You mean the guy with the dog? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like a nature person. He's like planted a whole menagerie back there. Yeah, I don't know that he lives in a building. He might just roam about from courtyard to courtyard. I said planted a menagerie, but I don't I don't actually think that's what menagerie is. Is a menagerie yeah, like I, birds or something? Uh you you did a menagerie once. I did a menagerie? Yeah, you did like that show that was sort of like a art slash performance thing. No, that was a menage a trois. No, no. They called it a menagerie. Oh, okay, that's right. I don't know what it is though. We could look it up, but I refuse to. Yeah, we'll just add that to the list of things we'll never look up. We have a five-star review, Brian. Oh, cool. Thank you so much to Sly Curl. Yeah, thanks so much. We were all out of Wink Wine. I know. We just got a big delivery the day after we watched this. A bunch of wine, because we were like, we cannot run out again. Yeah, so we got like more than usual. I'm excited to try them, but for this show, we had to drink shitty liquor store wine. I mean, we could have bought expensive liquor store wine, but I wasn't going to do that. No. And I made you laugh at some point. Oh my God, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Stacy was ugh, funny. And then. <laughs> As you were taking a sip of shitty wine. And I laughed so hard, I laughed it out of my nose. I don't know if you've ever laughed shitty wine out your nose. I don't know that like good wine would feel great coming out your <laughs> nose. It burned so bad. It was like my insides were on fire. I was proud of myself. It's like in a movie where someone like laughs and milk comes out of their nose, but milk would be nice and soothing. After that, yeah. Yeah, I almost was like, make me laugh again. Give me a milkshake. <laughs> God, it burnt so bad. I was like mad at you for being funny. Our point is, drink better wine. Yeah. You can do so by taking advantage of our partnership with Wink by clicking the link in our episode description or in our social media bios or using the promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout. You can get four bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. Wink also has a quiz that sort of determines your favorite types of tastes in your palate so that they can suggest wines to you that most match what you're interested in or what you enjoy to eat and drink. Yeah, more so about what you eat and drink, not your interests. It doesn't really matter if you like books. <laughs> this wine's great for jogging. 
I guess our point is don't drink shitty wine or don't have a funny partner. You can't drink shitty wine and have a funny partner. Or right. You're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Nasal problems. Drink Wink. That should be their slogan if it's not. I mean, we should know their slogan and uh, we don't. We no. just drink their stuff. They don't keep a lot of tabs on us. I don't know. I hope they're not like listening. They're like, this is not. What are you guys? Why are you promoting our wine by talking about shitty wine? <laughs> The brochure said it's very smooth when it goes through your nasal cavities. No matter what wine you get. Yeah. Uh, That's what my quiz said anyway. It was like, do you have a funny partner? Okay, you're going to (laughs) want the smooth Malbec. Do you know if Malbec is a smooth wine? I don't. I have no idea anything about wine. I just drink it, which is why I use Wink, because I'm like, tell me what's good, please. And they're like this. And I'm like, I agree. All right, enough about wine. I'm ready to talk about Buffy and Gilmore's. Gilmore's? Yeah. That's what I call it now. All right, Brian. Well, why don't you tell us about The Hobbit, The Sofa, and Digger Styles? Oh, you mean in Gilmore's? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this episode is, it's essentially three stories going on at once. It's about Rory's first party at college. It's also about uh, Suki and Lorelai catering a party together and about Richard's new business venture slash partner. Blast from his past shows up. We stirred the chili. The episode starts with Lorelai visiting Rory at college, bringing her all kinds of, like, stuff to spruce up her dorm. And there's this really cute moment where Rory says she subscribed to Star's Hollow Gazette because she doesn't want to lose touch with the town. I thought that was really sweet because she, like, legit loves Star's Hollow. She wasn't just doing it out of obligation. I follow my hometown's newspaper on Facebook. Do you? Mm-hmm. Cannot imagine what those comment sections are like. Not good. A lot of fights about masks in schools. Yeah, I, I would not go there. That's probably where the Civil War is going to break out. Rory is like super busy though because it is shopping week where students can enroll in as many classes as they want and kind of audit them until they decide which one of them they like, which one of them they like. Which one of them's them Gilmore's like. Them they're like. <laughs> And then they can keep those classes. Of course, Rory being Rory is excited about all of them and enrolled in a ton of classes. She needs Hermione's, like, time turner so she can take them all. Yeah. Don't you feel like Rory and Hermione would have been, like, best friends? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They would have been bestest pals ever. Rory and Lorelai are going to go grab some coffee at Lorelai's insistence because she's like, Rory, you're going to show up to class way too early. I can already tell. Uh, and she's right. But right before they go out the door, Lorelai's spidey sense goes off and she can just tell. No, she can smell that Emily had been there. Rory insists that she wasn't there, but like Lorelai can just tell that she was. And spoiler alert, she was. Yeah. So as you'd expect, Rory is super early to her first class. Lorelai says she has like a history of showing up to class early. Like 90 minutes she wanted to show up for like grade school yeah that's something like that it's insane i get wanting to be early but yeah i get not wanting to be late Uh but there's really no point in being more than like 10 minutes early 10 minutes is you look like a weirdo yeah but then another student shows up and it gets awkward real quick he's totally silent and rory doesn't know what to do at all we'll see this guy throughout the episode we will and i like totally understand this feeling like i related to this totally like i don't know you don't know what to say you don't want to be like too forward and just be like hey i'm a talker get to know me mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to come across as like cold. cold yeah finally the ta shows up and passes out some papers silently and then looks at both of the two students and just says freshman <laughs> which is like kind of douchey for a ta right <laughs> Like, these are your students. Why are you shitting on them? Yeah, I mean, he could have just rolled his eyes and gone about his business. Absolutely. When Rory gets back to her dorm, it's completely decked out in new, fancy, nice furniture, complete with, like, a plasma TV, surround sound, and, like, a really nice couch. I kind of clicked through the episode. Is Uh the coffee table meant to look like a stack of books? Did you catch that? I did not. Well, if you're 
watching along, let us know. It, they don't show it a ton, but it kind of looks like it. That like would a be cool. Giant stack of books. Yeah, because I didn't really like the furniture otherwise. Maybe it was cool at the time, but it seemed kind of too old lady for a cool college dorm. Yeah, but the students also say it's nice, so it's supposed to be cool for them. Yeah. Kurt, get down. Get down. Kurt. Good boy. Her cat's going crazy because he smells the chili. Yeah, he's like, can we just eat now, please? I don't blame him. He, we don't feed him the chili, to be clear. It's spicy. Yeah, but he can, I mean, it smells great. Poor guy. I know. He's just like, but the smells. It smells really good. No, he's like, let's just do the food. Tanya's there, and of course, she didn't even notice that there's new furniture. You mean Tana? What did I call her? Tanya. I mean, Tana's not a name, so I don't feel bad about but it. But it's her name. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, all you people out there without real names. <laughs> you don't matter to Brian. We probably have a few Tana listeners. Sorry. Tana, like, had no clue there's new furniture. And she even asked, like, oh, did your grandma give us the fireplace, too? <laughs> Before Rory can even, like, process all this furniture, Emily calls with, like, a very funny line. She just says, I was going to wait until you called me, but my life isn't as long as yours. <laughs> She is absolutely the worst always. I love that she's like kind of rude to Rory now. Yeah. Now that Rory's like an adult. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like ever since Rory made that deal, she's like not afraid to tell Rory what's up sometimes. Well, I think it's because Emily has power over her now with that deal. Yeah. It's like, you owe me so I can kind of treat you this way. And she's said a line like this before where she's like, you needed to call me back. But it's like, Rory could have been at class all day. I mean, she was. She just, she literally just walked in the door. Anyway, she goes on and she's like, my granddaughter's a Yaley now. She needs to live like a Yaley. Is Yaley a word? I was wondering that too. I mean, who am I to say? But Yaley sounds dumb. Yalester? I just feel like Yale's full of smart students. So the term Yaley is like, that's the best they could come up with? Yeah, I don't know. If you know, let (laughs) us know. Emily admits that she snuck into the dorm and got their freshman counselor, remember, from the second episode, uh, to let her in and do all of this. There's people sneaking into dorms in Buffy too. Yeah. Rory's worried that since this is the common room, doing all this sort of like makes it seem to her roommates like that room kind of belongs to her. And Emily's all like, exactly. You live in the real world now and you need to start exploiting your status. So Emily's just like a straight up sociopath now, I guess. It's interesting because Paris does seem to kind of notice and care and sort of hold it over Rory's head. But the other two roommates like kind of don't even notice. Well, we have no idea what the runner thinks or does. Janet has lines eventually. I don't know why she wasn't in the first episode or why she is in this one, but we don't say anything. Yeah, I don't know. When you say that Paris like holds it over Rory, I mean, she admits that it's like a status boost for Rory. Sure. She uses it as something she can use against Rory is my, my point. Yeah. Rory calls her mom to complain about Emily buying all this furniture. And throughout this episode, there's a running, running bit. All Rory knows about her fourth roommate is that she likes to run. And Lorelai hears that she likes to run and immediately just dismisses her as a person. Yeah, a lot of runner shaming. Yeah, I know. I feel like the writer uh, doesn't like exercise. Yeah, running makes no sense to Lorelai. I want to point out that, like, exercise is something that Rory and Lorelai, like, make fun of and never do. But they also are both thin, especially Rory, but she's young. But they're both thin, and they also, their characters supposedly eat all the time. Massive amounts of food. So, like, where is that weight going? 
Brian, people have been asking this for 20 years. It's it's one thing to have the characters eat a lot and like not address that they don't work out, but like it's like, oh, I don't work out and I look fantastic. Maybe it's the coffee. They're just shitting it all out. They're just every time. <laughs> like their metabolisms are maybe amped. Oh, okay. But I think a more but realistic thing is they're just shitting that out. The other question is how do they pay for all the food? Because they're never in like a good financial position, it seems. Well, I think they've paid at Luke's twice maybe sure. in the entire show. So that's a lot of money saved. They just really do shame this runner, though. <laughs> Lorelai's like, Rory, when she comes home, you know, to appease her so she doesn't get mad about all this furniture, just make sure something runners like is on the TV, like something that's going in a circle over and over again. It's just, pretty funny. Yeah, and her roommate is legit weird, though. We finally see her. She comes in and then just, like, starts working out, like, right in front of Rory, just, like, immediately in front of her starts doing push-ups. There's so much space in this dorm room. She could be Rory's footstool in this scene. It's maybe not weird that she doesn't say hi to Rory because Rory's on the phone, but yeah. there is that whole area between the front door and the living area where there's just nothing. There's even more room in front of Rory, like, the other side of that room. It is a funny juxtaposition to see Rory, like, just slamming chips while staring at this woman doing push-ups. But at the same token, it's like, your roommate's weird. She could work out in that space behind you. I feel like I notice in this show, more than Buffy, like, awkward positioning of people to make sure that everyone's on the camera. Right. I mean, and it's just like a TV show thing. I mean, we've, like, shot stuff where it's like, what? We have to stand how close to each other? It seems not normal, but it ends up looking totally fine. Right. But I feel like more than once in the show, I've been like, why are you so close together? Yeah. But Lorelai in the scene is a bit like, I told you so. Yep. Like, you made a deal with the devil, my mother... Now she thinks she can kind of control you almost. Right. It's sort of an invitation for her to be a part of your life and do things for you. Yeah, you've seen her do it to me. Now she's got a reason she can do it to you. Because Rory's got this idea that she's going to like call her and tell her what's up. And Lorelai's like, okay, cool. It sounds great. But my mom's going to say this in response. Like ultra guilt trip you. Are you prepared to deal with that? And I don't think Rory is. Well, she's clearly not. No. Later on, Paris comes home, and she's really excited for the first Yale party of the year. It's going to be happening on their floor, so Paris is like, we can be a part of this. All the Yaleys are coming. We can use this to solidify our social standing here at the school. The way the party works is that anybody who wants to be a part of it can just open their door, and then people can, you know, mingle and come in and out as they please. Rory doesn't really want to do this. She'd rather just participate in the party but not open up their dorm so that she can just leave at any point or not go at all if she's feeling tired or if she wants to just read her book. Paris is being classic Paris, dialed up to 11, just like freaking out about this. She's trying to like reinvent herself though. Well, she's acting like old Paris. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But the reason she wants to do the party is to like start anew. Right. She's like, nobody knows me here and I want them to get to know me. And then this is where she guilt trips her. She's like, of course you don't need this party. You have all this furniture to lord over everyone. And then she just like storms off. And then she calls Lorelai. It's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. And Lorelai agrees with her. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because Lorelai's like, did you guys have a fight? Because Paris, you know, starts talking like everyone knows what's going on already. And Lorelai's like, I don't even understand what you're saying. (laughs) Uh, But she does agree with her. Eventually, yeah, Rory catches Paris on the phone and is like justifiably upset, grabs the phone from her and explains to her mom what Paris is upset about. And her mom's like, well, you know, maybe you should do this. Like, I want you to have experiences. She doesn't say I want you to make mistakes, but I feel like she kind of implies that. Like, because you never know when one of those experiences will be pretty special. Yeah, I mean, and she also says, like, I don't want you to just read all the books at Yale. I want you to have fun. And, yeah, like, remember absolutely. this time fondly. So finally, Rory's like, all right, I'll do it. And then Paris yells, yes, <laughs> from the other room. And then Rory's like, you know, I didn't do it for you. And Paris is like, like I care about the reasons. 
Tell your mom and say thank you. You were very anti-Paris at the tippy top of this, Brian. But um, people like Paris and Emily, probably some of the most beloved characters. Well, when you say at the top of this, what do you mean? The top of this episode? Top of the series. Oh, absolutely. And I still like don't like them as people. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think they're, I think they're funnier. They're funny and they're complex. Yeah, Paris can be absurd though, like a cartoon. I've said that before. Right. But whatever. Meanwhile, Tana, that's her name, Tana, <laughs> has decided she's going to borrow Rory's Chilton uniform to wear to the party because, you know, she's a weirdo and a child. It's so funny that Rory is just like laughing at her and she doesn't get what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? I like this outfit. When we finally catch up to the party, it's going great. And Paris says that their room is the best one in the party. I love when Paris says there's like another room that was pretty fun, but she started telling people that the girl hosting that room was waitlisted. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was like, oh no. Yeah, that was funny. Just such like an elitist joke. Matt and Louise even show up. They made a list of all the first week of class parties, and they're just making the rounds, which is insane. They're just driving to all these schools for, like, a single party. Okay. Yeah, they're going to Harvard next. I don't think Harvard's, like, that close. Louise is actually dating a Harvard guy who is aspiring to be a writer for The Simpsons, and he's just, like, really worried that the show might be uh, off the air by the time he graduates, which is hilarious because the show is still going strong right now. Yeah. The show has been on forever. I have, I don't even know that much about The Simpsons. I'm sure it's still funny. I, I Maybe it's not. I don't know, but it's been on forever. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, you don't hear people talking about Still watching The Simpsons. But it's still going. Someone must be. Uh, Madeline and Louise immediately just start flirting with some random dudes and then end their cameo. <laughs> but one of them has a boyfriend. I know, but you know her. I don't know that she's super faithful. Rory clocks that awkward, silent guy from her class and goes to talk to him. What's his hall. name? I don't know. Did we get it? Mm-hmm. Patrick. Sure. Is that right? No. Okay, I was like, wow, that was a total shot in the dark. I I mean, I know his name. I'm pretty sure he says it at the end. So she goes to talk to this unnamed person whose name we never learn. <laughs> but then she's intercepted by some double mint twins. It's Marty, for those of you who know Marty but didn't just watch the episode. Well, 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 Marty. Sounds like you're going to be around a while, bud. Does it seem like he's not going to come back? They gave him a name. Well, and Buffy, that means they're going to die, so it's confusing. It's funny because when Pedro Pascal showed up in Buffy, I thought he was going to be her Marty. Yeah. Uh, but he died, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just felt like a similar type character. Riley gave his name. He was supposed to die when the books hit him in the head, but it kept him around. The stunt didn't work, so they, <laughs> he just kept talking, and they're like, shit, we got to write him a love All right, story. keep him in the show, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no one was excited about that decision. Make um, Parker an asshole, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Parker was supposed to be the love interest. I mean, Parker is hot. I think he's hotter than Riley, right? That's. I don't know. I want to combine them. We'll we'll get there. We're gonna we're gonna circle back to this. Yeah. But let's talk about the double mint twins. The twins are not double mint twins. They're two girls, Kick and Mickey. I don't remember their names. Yeah, they I... don't come back, by the way. But I remember their names. <laughs> you wrote it down. I did, because it was crazy. I shouldn't say I don't know that they come back, but I, I don't feel like these people are important. There's a freaking guy running around the whole episode that has, like, two lines. I'm pretty sure he comes back as, like, a recurring character. Oh, he seemed like a kind of, like, a recurring character. I definitely guy. remembered him more than these Doublemint twins. He, he reminds me of, like, sort of a Jonathan character. Not the same personality as Jonathan. No, Jonathan of- is going to be Jonathan. Right. I just mean, like, oh, you're going to be around. I think his name's Glenn. I think he shows up more in later seasons, if not this season. Uh, well, anyway, these girls' mom, girls possessive, plural and possessive, these girls' mom uh, is tight with Emily. Tight. Tight uh, from their DAR. 
Daughters of the uh, Artistic Republic. Yep. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Obviously, it's Daughters of the American Revolution. Wow. I started that sentence not really sure if that was right. You ended it like you knew. Yeah. That was the point. Uh, but then I undercut it by admitting it. Their mom is close with Emily. So Emily told them that they need to find Rory and make sure she falls in with the right crowd. So they want to hang out with her. And they're like desperately trying to come up with a nickname for her by like combining her first and last name. Her name is already a nickname. I don't know that you need to make it anything else. Hmm. I'm surprised she didn't say that actually. Yeah. She gets like trapped on the couch with them and like cannot leave. They just are talking about stuff she doesn't care about. They do notice the furniture and think it's great though. And they're like, Emily has great taste. How, how do they know so much about Emily? I don't know. Paris, meanwhile, is determined to have fun and make friends. She says she's having some trouble. She can't find a social group, but she's going to make it work until a drunk guy two seconds later says, hey, pierce my ear. And then she just like angrily demands everyone leaves. Is that what he said? I thought he said, it's my year. No, I put the captions on because I was like, I thought he said, hold my beer. I could not understand him. And he said, child puppies? He said, child puppies. Where's Michelle? He's probably trying to find a present to beat Tobin. (laughs) Still. Yeah. Well, Tobin's last present is pretty damn good. Yeah, so Paris is just demanding everyone leave. She's, like, shouting for them to leave. And Rory just, like, pretends she's all sad about it because she wants the night to be over. She's all like, oh, no, my roommate's kicking everyone out. What can I do about it? That was pretty funny. Yeah. Paris just rips the two twins, calling them Bim and Bim. (laughs) Short for... She rips them off the couch and they leave. That's funny. If I were the writer, I might have gone with Bim and Bo. Bim and Bo? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how the party ends. And then much later that night, for no reason at all. Very confusing. Rory decides to step out into the hallway. I think she gets up to Pete. Maybe she hears him, but he was asleep. I don't hear any sounds when I watched it. No. Maybe it's that sound that only young people can hear and older people can't hear it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But she just decides she wants to go into the hallway in her pajamas and a robe. And lo and behold, she sees that guy from her class. Patrick. Passed out drunk and naked Patrick. He's very Patrick right now, though. It's not, do you remember his name? I told you. I do, but Patrick. Do you remember? Kick Mickey Patrick. Got it. Do you remember his name? Marty? Yeah. I legit was like, oh, yeah, his name's Patrick, until <laughs> you questioned me twice, and I was like, oh, no, wait, that's just the one I made up. <laughs> it's Marty. How can I forget Marty? He's such a big character in the show. There's really no reason for Rory to put a robe on. Like, she, if she's just going to the bathroom, like, why put a robe on? Well, because apparently she's going to the fucking hall for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could argue she wanted to see if the party was still happening, but I don't know. She's just doing a midnight stroll. This scene's pretty funny, though, because she goes over there and just, like, very awkwardly tries to wake him up. I say try. She successfully wakes him up by, like, touching him with her robe belt. And this guy wakes up, right? He's, like, blackout drunk, passed out naked. But he's, like, super reasonable and, like, self-aware in this moment. Yeah, he doesn't really seem drunk. No, he seems totally undrunk. He certainly would have had to have been to get in that situation. Yeah, and you'd think he still would be pretty out of it. He wakes up. He kind of realizes his situation. He's like, oh, wow, uh, this is embarrassing. I'm going to be known as the naked guy, I guess. But Rory's like, well, I don't think anyone else saw you, and I'm not going to tell anyone. Maybe you don't have to be the naked guy. So he, like, thanks her, and she gives him her robe, and he goes upstairs to his room. And I just, this is obviously, like, their meet-cute, right? Something. No, this is their meet-cute. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a love interest. (laughs) This episode's all about just introducing love interests, I think. (laughs) (sighs) They're definitely going to date. It seems like... I'm all about Muffy. He might not... Fuck. (laughs) Muffy? Maury. You think... You want? I want Marty and Buffy to get together. Muffy, Marty and Rory, and it should be Riley and Rory, also known as Rory. That's funny. It seems like he 
probably won't remember this moment, but he acknowledges that he recognizes her from class. Mm -hmm. So they will remember each other. Yeah. Meanwhile, this episode, Lorelai goes over to Suki's to break the news to her that getting the inn up and running is going to cost a little bit more money than they had been expecting. $20,000? Yeah. Suki's not super excited about this. She says, that sucks. Yeah. She doesn't have any income coming in, and she has a baby coming. Speaking of which, Jackson is like trying to set up a baby monitor, and it sounds terrible. I actually kind of hate the scene just because I don't want to listen to the sound. Yeah, it's like an intercom or something, too. He's wiring it through the house. All I know is that the sounds it makes would like kill the creatures from the quiet place. Yeah. Suki's like, hey, what about this? What if you and I go into a catering temporarily until the baby comes so we have some income coming in? Lorelai clearly seems reluctant. Like she maybe does not want to do this. But she's like, all right, I'll think about it. And Suki's like, great, because uh, we're doing our first gig this Friday. I already booked it. It's a children's Lord of the Ring party. For Lorelai, I feel like it's a bit of a Buffy season four, episode one situation. What's that mean? She's totally capable, but she thinks she's not. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which Suki then points out. And turns out she is very capable of doing this. Yeah. Lorelai does great at this party. Yeah, absolutely. But she's like, no, I just can't do something like that. I had a team and all this stuff before. Suki's like, well, just figure it out. You don't have a kid anymore. Just go for it. Also, it's like a kid's birthday party is like way less stress and time intensive than like a wedding. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out, though, that ASP... Wow, look at you remembering things. Amanda Shapiro Padrino. Apparently only knows about Lord of the Rings as far as cultural references. I mean, there's quite a few others in in general. You're right. There's cultural references every two seconds. But you are right that she does go Lord of the Rings very often. Do small children like Lord of the Rings? I mean, maybe they do. I really don't know. Not the books, maybe, but like, sure, the movies were big fantasy and like not so violent, like kids could go to them. So yeah, maybe kids were into them. People have argued that ASP also doesn't understand children. Example one is Dean's sister being like 13, speaking like a tiny child. Right. And and maybe even the children in this episode are sort of not age appropriate. But like, it just, it just seems like every other episode, it's like Lord of the Rings is our big cultural touchstone. Everyone loves that. I mean, this was right in the middle of all that. That was like 2001 to four. Sure. It, it was huge. Right. But it's just, she references it so many times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the theme of the party. <laughs> Lorelai starts planning the kids' birthday party details and, like, stresses Suzuki that she needs to remember that this is for kids, so, you know, nothing should be too fancy. She's got to focus on, like, kids' food. Suzuki's like, cool, 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 tight, tight, tight. Lorelai suggests making, like, popcorn balls and stuff. I remember those, those colored popcorn balls. I remember colored popcorn, not colored popcorn balls. Oh, I remember those. Those are great, I've actually. I touched a popcorn ball. I'd eat one of those. What holds it together? I think it's sort of similar to, like, uh, like I think it's marshmallow stuff. Oh. There might be multiple ways to make it, but I think that's that's how it holds together. I like my corn salty. It's kind of like a Rice Krispie treat, but with popcorn. Okay. Or is it like caramel? Popple? Popple? Caramel? I think you can get it multiple ways. Caramel corn? What am I trying to say? Po- caramel corn. I don't think it's caramel corn. I think it might be more akin to kettle corn. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then they just like, yeah, they like dye it crazy colors. I remember demanding my grandma get me the colored popcorn, like microwave popcorn that was like purple and green. It was oh, yeah? so much more expensive than regular popcorn, and it was shittier. Like it was like half the size, none of it popped, but it was beautiful. <laughs> and my dad's an only child, and my siblings and I are all 10 years apart, so I was basically an only grandchild, so I got what I wanted. It's funny. Like you said, Lorelai's good at planning this. She has Lane drop off a bunch of like Lord of the Rings 
stuff, like whatever she has in her mom's house that seems like it's Lord of the Ring-esque. This scene pretty much is just for Lane to remind us she's in the show. There's a deleted scene from episode two that Lane like explains her deal. But this, yeah, this is the first appearance of Lane in season four of Fish. Yeah, and she's only in it for a minute and she makes it clear she's going to like that ultra religious college. She got in trouble for wearing like a bracelet or something? Yeah, she, she wore a bracelet. So she's been sentenced to a bunch of prayer and soul searching and they had like extra like an extra church session <laughs> i don't think church sessions what you called it service service is the- we grew up christian yeah we went to session every sunday <laughs> All this stuff is for one of the ideas Lorelai has where all the kids can dress up like their favorite Lord of the Ring character, which I think is kind of a cool idea. Mm-hmm. The kids seem to have a good time. Yeah, at the actual party, Lorelai has set up this costume changing station for the kids. And then this scene, honestly, is all very funny. Lorelai introduces herself to two of the kids as Julie, their cruise guide, because Lorelai likes to be randomly funny all the time. It's one of those things that was like, what are you doing? What? Kids don't get your joke. But they take it seriously. Yeah, and that's what's extra funny to me is because I feel like it kind of totally backfires on Lorelai. <laughs> because another kid comes up and calls her Lorelai, and then the first pair of kids are like, that's not Lorelai, her name's Julie. She's our cruise guide. Only they say a word we don't say anymore. The R word. A word that people used to throw around all the time, I guess. I feel like there's definitely some dated stuff in both of these shows, but that was like, whoa. But that kid is just like, what even is a cruise director? And the first kid says, I don't know, but you're... You fart with your mouth. <laughs> I love that. I don't know, but you fart with your mouth. Then Lorelai tries to, like, diffuse the situation, and she's like, come on, guys. Lord of the Rings is all about love. And then the kid is like, uh-uh. It's actually about the destruction of all mankind, which is funny, but not true. It's about the destruction of mankind, dwarf kind, elven kind, pretty much all kinds. So, I mean, that kid needs to be a little bit more inclusive. I love that ASP was like, you know, I've said a lot about Lord of the Rings already, but I really have a lot more to say. So I'm going to write this whole party (laughs) where I really get to express my thoughts about Lord of the Rings. It's funny. So the kids just run off, and then their mom is, like, super relieved that Lorelai didn't bring swords. Then she sees someone out from the distance and says, like, oh, I didn't know we made up, and then, like, walks off. (laughs) Some adult this woman did not want to talk to. Yeah, all of this was, like, rapid fire and very funny. Yeah. But! You really didn't like this next part. Yeah, then it's, like, followed by this part that I hated. Seriously, this, this, this scene is so funny, but then they undercut it with this next part. This little girl comes up and she's like, all the boys are saying that only boy hobbits went to Mount Doom. That's not true, is it? What Lorelai should say to this little girl is something like, there's not a lot of female characters in Lord of the Rings, but there's a couple very strong ones. And then talk about those or lie to her about female hobbits. Be like, no, there's a bunch. They're just not in the book. But instead, she says, oh, actually, the girl hobbits didn't go because they were doing a much more dangerous adventure. Have you ever heard of the Brazilian bikini waxing? Also, they had to wear heels. And the girl's like, wow, so the girl's going to adventures too? I hated this so much. This is the part where Brian spat the wine out his nose. Because I was like, wow, you had a bigger problem with this than that kid throwing around that cancel bird. <laughs> it bothered me so much because this girl's coming up and she's like, wow, misogyny is a thing. How come girls aren't included? Can't they do adventurous things? And Laura's like, sure they can. Like, they can get super pretty. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's it's weird. So that's literally what she says. They can get pretty. That's an adventure. I guess it wouldn't be funny if she took this time to make, like, a woman empowerment comment. So the scene could have either not had this in it, had her say something funny, 
or been serious and just had a heartfelt moment, which the show also does. That's true, but not in the middle of a comedy scene. It would have felt weird to do a serious moment there, but I hear what you're saying. It's weird, it's weird, and they could have It's just a really, it's like a bad message for another woman to say to a little girl. Yeah. Yuck. It's a gross message. All right, but now we're starting to see some of the problems crop up that we all knew were going to happen. I mean, I've seen it, but it did seem pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, it seemed super obvious. It was the Chekhov's adult food. Right. Sugi is covering up Lorelai's paper Lord of the Ring table covers with fancy white cloth table covers. She thought that the paper ones were like inappropriate or like not good enough. And then she thought that the paper cups and paper plates were all like a joke. Which I kind of get because she set them up like China. Yeah. She has like Lord of the Rings plates in a China display case in the background too. Yeah. Sugi acts like crazy dumb in this episode, honestly. In the scene when they were planning, Sugi asked how many adults were going to be there. And I think Lorelai said like 10. Right. So for a while we keep thinking like, okay, Sugi's made some food for the adults, but it starts to seem like maybe too much food for the adults. Yeah, absolutely. She's also setting up a chafing dish, you know, the kind of like big pan you see at weddings or hotels that has like a little warming flame below it. Um, But obviously open flames are like super dangerous for kids, especially if some of these kids, as I heard, are farting with their mouths. (laughs) Sugi has made way too much fancy food for the adults. Like, and even the fancy for the adults is like too fancy. Yeah, these don't seem like adults that are expecting this kind of food at this kind of party. Yeah, she's got this like brie with like a crazy like caramelized pecan. It was like too much. Uh, The kids are starting to get really hungry, and they don't want any of the food that Suki's brought out so far. She's got, like, blanched veggies and, like, salmon, and the kids are like, no. One girl, like, takes a bite of the carrot, just puts it back on the plate because it, quote-unquote, tastes like diapers. Uh, And then Suki just, like, yells at her a little bit. And when Suki goes into the kitchen to, like, get the kids' food, she reveals she made a bunch of green jalapeno chipotle cream sauce mac and cheese. Which legit sounds fucking delicious. Mm -hmm. I bet it's great. I was like, I would love that right now, please. But obviously the kids aren't even going to touch it because it's green. Right. I understand Suki not making the green connection maybe. Sure. But she should know kids aren't going to want spicy food. 100%. You'd think she'd at least ask. Like not every adult likes spicy food. Right. I bet it's not too spicy because of the cream. Chipotle's also spicy. It's going to have a kick. Jalapeno and Chipotle? I feel like jalapeno and kid is like a bad combo across the board. Yeah. Kid's going to touch his eye. But the big problem is Suki doesn't have any other kid food. Just that mac and cheese. So Lorelai's like, what about the popcorn balls I mentioned? And Suki's like, oh, you were serious about that? I thought you were joking. Which, to be fair, sounds like something Lorelai would do. She makes everything she says into a joke. This seems interesting because I I feel like Suki's being totally just like out of touch with what children are. Yeah. Like, really? You You have no clue? Yeah, she's like gotta be reading books about children. But it's almost like that thing where they got into a fight before where Lorelai's like being too pushy to mm-hmm. Suki. But but Lorelai's right. Yeah. And she like double checked with Suki, like, make sure you make kid food. Kids like these things. Just I don't want to tell you what to do, but it doesn't seem like you're doing the right thing. Yeah, uh, totally. And I feel like she's she's really trying to be restrained as long as possible. But then at some point she's just gotta go into like the in burn down crisis mode. Yeah. Uh, I like that you said that because she does. And I actually like that about this episode is that she like sees what's happening and goes into like super crisis boss mode. And we've seen that she's very good at this. Mm-hmm. Lorelai's very good at improvising and taking charge when it's not about her personal life or Rory. She's even good with them sometimes, but as long as she's not emotionally invested in something, I feel like she can step back yeah, and I just mean, like take over. She kind of did that in the last episode with Rory. Yeah. 
I meant dealing with, like, Rory and her homesickness. Yes, absolutely. Suki doesn't like any of this. She makes a cake that, like, no child would ever eat. It's got, like, fruit all over it, and it's got, like, a rum sauce or something on it. But anyway, Lorelai's, like, just starts giving out orders to Suki's, like, two helpers. Like, go to the store, buy a bunch of cupcakes and, like, stuff to decorate them, and we'll have the kids decorate their own cupcake. It'll be, like, a thing. They'll love it. Also buy a bunch of, like, frozen pizzas and, like, hot dogs and stuff. Suki doesn't like this. She's like, no, that's not the deal. I run the food. And then this kid comes in, and Suki straight up just yells at her. She's like, we are talking here. And then that little girl's face looks like it's about to melt. (laughs) Um, But then Lorelai gives her a single juice box, which fixes everything. But there's also a juice box in Buffy. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally, like, Suki, like, comes to and realizes that she's being crazy, and suddenly the issue becomes that she doesn't want to be a parent anymore. She doesn't know how to interact with kids and doesn't even like interacting with children, and so she's going to be a bad mom, so she doesn't want to have this baby anymore. Lorelai insists that she's going to be a good mom because she can just tell. She sits her down, says that, and that's, like, all it takes. Suki's, like, good. It's good to go. Yeah, as kind of over the top as this premise is, I feel like this scene was super well acted. Sure. Like, they're both believably emotional. Yeah, but I feel like it's just resolved so suddenly, though. You're right, but I I feel like Melissa McCarthy is, in this show, generally a bit of a caricature. Sure. And she got to do, like, she was, like, really on the verge of tears. And and I think Lorelai, Lauren Graham, was, like, responding to her realistically. I kind of didn't like this scene, but then when they they got into the serious portion of it, I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're doing a good job with this. Yeah, I agree with you that the acting is good. But I do feel like this is sort of a cluster of whatever. Because they're like, the problem is she doesn't know how to cook for kids. And then it becomes, I don't even like children. I don't want them. Well, I think the reason she didn't know how to cook for them is because she doesn't know anything about kids. And now she's realized she's like months from having a child and has no idea what she's doing. That's true. That's You're right. And Lorelai has done this. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I, I just think people that aren't around kids have no idea how to deal with a kid. I feel like I've been around way more children than you. Like, I've seen you try to hold a baby. <laughs> you have no idea where to start. Have you ever changed a baby? No. But I wouldn't know not to give a kid spicy jalapeno mac and cheese. You would. Also, I wouldn't be like, we need chafing dishes for this kid's party. I agree. But Suki might know how to hold a baby. Okay, well, I've seen you try to hold our cat. He's wily. You try to hold him like he's a like a baby you're trying to give away to somebody. <laughs> like under the armpits, like, why doesn't he like this? Babies don't have claws. <laughs> I'll uh, everyone know I have successfully held a baby. Yeah, he took a very wide stance, planted himself firm. I'm just always afraid I'm gonna like drop the baby and break it forever. And you don't get forgiven for breaking a baby. It's true. So I'm always like, don't mess this up. The stakes are very high, Brian. Meanwhile, meanwhile, one day when Richard comes home from work, he's very tired. And Emily sort of suggests that maybe he should retire because he's so exhausted from work. She's like, you know, some men retire. but She hated when he was retired. Exactly, right? I'm like, you didn't like it when he was retired. She mentions that Digger Styles called and wants to meet with Richards. Digger Styles is the son of Richards' old boss. And it sounds like he used to be sort of like a kind of just like an intern gopher. Yeah, he, I mean, he's like a little older than Lorelai. He's yeah. not like a baby, but they kind of talk about him like he's a kid. Well, he worked there since he was like six in some capacity or another. Sure. So I think Richard probably always saw him as a child. But it seems like they forced Richard into retirement only to open up a job for Digger. Uh, And Richard assumes that Digger is coming with just bad news, like that they're going to take away their pension or like eat chew him out. I almost said eat him out. Well, that wouldn't be bad news. Yeah. He tosses his salad, you know. (laughs) He's called Digger. He gets in there. 
Okay, this is a little more explicit than most. I just hope that Richard had a Brazilian so that everything's nice <laughs> down there. He doesn't like Digger, it's pretty clear. My biggest takeaway from this scene, though, is that Richard says the word Harris instead of harass. <laughs> He's like, I, they just want to harass me. Like, is that how it's supposed to be said? That's Maybe how it fancy is. fancy people say it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Digger's going to continue to harass me. Richard says he doesn't even want to call him back. And Emily's like, well, no problem, because I invited him to come over tomorrow. Because, of course, she did. Richard's like, fine, but he's not staying for drinks. The scene is fun mostly because he and Emily are both, like, super snotty and sarcastic to each other. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just love having such a supportive wife. Yeah, that was funny. When Digger finally does arrive, Jason Digger. Jason Styles. Jason Digger Styles. <laughs> Arrives at Marty's house. Wow. <laughs> when Digger shows up, he's all compliments to Emily, just like buttering her up. He's funny. He is funny. He's witty. And he's witty and quick, and it's very clear he's going to be a love interest for Lorelai. She's not there. What are you talking about? It's just though his dialogue is like, what if Lorelai were a boy? <laughs> Is this also because he's in the opening credits? Yeah, also, he's in the opening credits. They don't just throw somebody in there and they don't have him back again. You know what I mean? Kind of how, like, they spoiled Spike in the opening credits of Buffy? Yeah, exactly. That's sort of like if Anya had just shown up in the opening credits of The Wish. Like, I guess Anya's sticking around. Yeah. They're not killing her this episode. Also, the guy speaks exactly like her. He makes the same kind of jokes, same kind of mannerisms. He reminds me of the way Christopher talks, and Christopher's clearly supposed to be like someone who has fun verbally sparring with Lorelai, who can keep up with her. But Luke. No, I'm not saying that Luke isn't going to end up with her, but he's obviously going to be a love interest. Mm -hmm. They're probably introducing him so that she doesn't just end up with Luke, because otherwise the show would be done. I don't know. Digger meets with Richard in his study, and Richard's, like, super cold to him. But then he makes Richard an an officer? Yeah, he makes him a police officer. (laughs) He's like, listen, I'm enlisting you. No, he makes him an offer uh, that he wants to be his business partner. He wants to bring all of his high-paying clients and join Richard. He's doing this because he doesn't want a job based solely on nepotism, and also he wants to get back at his dad uh, by taking his clients to his father's rival. It's a little weird about the revenge thing because Richard's like, you want to do this for revenge? You hate your dad? He's like, no, I don't hate my dad. I just don't want to be him. But it's like, is that revenge then? Okay, whatever. It is confusing because then, I mean, we can get to it. But later Richard says he's doing this because he hates his dad. Yeah. But he specifically said he didn't hate his dad. And that he's just doing this to like do his own thing, not for revenge. Clearly he does want to like get under his dad's skin, but he doesn't hate his dad. So I don't really know. Maybe he... Thinks his dad is like a jerk for what he did to Richard? Yeah, maybe. He clearly thinks, or unless he's lying, that Richard is like the best at what he does and wants to be part of that team. What do they do exactly? I don't know. They have clients. Okay. It's madman stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Insurance. But like, wh- I don't know. You pay someone to consult you about insurance repeatedly? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. If you know, Yaleys, let us know. <laughs> After all this, Richard suddenly does want to have a drink with uh, Jason. What's his last name? Styles. The episode ends with a Friday night dinner. Rory is outside and she is ready to confront Emily about butting into her life. She just really wants to like rip into her a little bit about this. Uh, Lorelai's like, I don't think you're going to do it. But if you do, make sure you wait for the right moment. Rory's like, no, I'm going to do it right away. When she goes in, she can't. The moment comes up and she just is silent. She's like, Emily, I want to talk to you about something. I don't know that she calls her Emily. She might call her grandma. Rory's waiting for Lorelai to show up, and she's just, like, holding a big-ass mug. I was like, is this for Lorelai? Like, a cup of coffee? But it's funny, because Lorelai, like, checks it to see if it's booze when Rory reveals her plan to confront her grandma. Yeah. 
but then Richard comes in and announces he's going into business with Digger. And when he mentions that one of Digger's reasons for doing this is revenge, Emily doesn't take it so well. Emily's like, that's not a way to repay someone that's done so many things for you. I think she's taking this personally, kind of like maybe projecting like how she feels about her relationship with her daughter. Hmm. Someone's done all these things to you. You shouldn't hurt them or repay them with ingratitude. I didn't necessarily get that, but could be. That's how it feels like to me. Otherwise, I don't know why she would have such a strong opinion about it. I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't like this sort of like ugly side of Richard. Maybe. That's possible. That's kind of what I was guessing. She thought it seemed like it was a trick or it was, I don't know, too mischievous. Right. There is the idea that this could be a trick too, like you sort of suggested there, that like maybe he's got nefarious purposes we're not aware of because this is almost like too good to be true, which maybe will be the case. I'm excited to find out. But they get into a big fight. Not a big fight. They sort of just walk off fighting. And then Lorelai does that chicken thing that you're always talking about, where she just clucks like a chicken, right? <laughs> I said chicken neck thing. Uh, but yeah, she just starts balking at her chicken-ass daughter. <laughs> and that's the episode. Stacy, do you think this is a good one? I do. I enjoyed it. Yeah? It was funny all the way through. There's a couple little flaws. Was Luke in it? I don't think so. I can't. No, I don't think he was. I feel like on his podcast, he like prided himself in being one of the few people that was in every episode, but I really don't think we saw him. Yeah, I don't. Did they ever go to Luke's? I don't think so. I think he's misremembering because IMDb says that like Suki's in every episode too and she's definitely not. But yeah, I, I thought it was all very funny and the dialogue was interesting. I liked the Richard and Emily stuff. I liked the introduction of Digger. In the credits because that's when he was introduced. <laughs> no, I mean, he's he's funny. Yeah. I, I, he's enjoyable to listen to on screen. And the Paris stuff was funny. The Suki Lorelai party was whatever. I remember not liking that a ton, but like I said, it, it grew on me once I once we got to the meat of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the best one of the season so far. I don't think it's a great, memorable episode by any means. It's kind of very minor stuff that happens, quite forgettable. Mm-hmm. But it had very few flaws, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I mean, honestly, like most episodes of Gilmore Girls are like packed with funny jokes. Yeah. And like even, you know, in an episode that's not that has jokes that don't work, there'll be a section like at the party where it's just like joke that works, joke that works, joke that works. I hate that it's undercut with stuff that I don't know. The thing about the little girl, you could argue that like, oh, that's looking at it from now perspective. But I feel like even looking at it from a then perspective, that's a weird thing to say. It's interesting to think about. You might have thought differently 18 years ago. Anyway, it is funny, though. It's just the show is very funny. Oh, that's why I like it so much. But I am going to dock this episode points for that whole party thing. It was, I thought it was, it was dumb. <laughs> Should we move on? Let's move on. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charm Season 4, Episode 3, Hell Hath No Fury, Paige takes the Book of Shadows to her work to cast spells which help her co-workers. Who fucks Paige? I think Paige is the girl that showed up at the end of the last episode. Right. The completion of the Power of Three. Paige is the new Prue. It is a P name. Is she a relative of theirs? Probably. Is she just a random P woman? No, I think she's related somehow. There was something we said like a long time ago that they had like a uncle, cousin, mom, aunt, some or other. Who is this person? I don't know. Maybe she's like a half-sister. Is Paige their uncle, cousin, aunt, (laughs) mom, person? Let's say she's a half-sister. Okay. Same dad, different moms. Because their mom died, so their dad probably like had sex with someone 
later. And this girl's like much younger. Okay. Like 10 years younger. Wow. She's maybe like 20. Okay. She's 20. Okay. I'm saying she's 20. Let's say she's 20. Okay. And they're like pushing 30? Yeah. Okay. Whoever is writing these IMDb summaries got tired by season four. This is very short. Probably because they're like, this episode, whatever. Who cares? Also, it's just like into her work. That's like the laziest way. Like, what's her job? <laughs> Okay, well, her job is a librarian. Right. She works at the library. And, and she casts spells. To help her co-workers who don't know how to read. They, her co-workers at the library don't know how to read? Yeah, it's like the shittiest library in town. Yeah, the books are just everywhere. Yeah. They were supposed to be alphabetical, but oh. All right, so she casts spells that like allow her workmates to uh, read. <laughs> Maybe some of them have other problems, like marital woes. That's going to help her at her job? Well, yeah. I mean, she cares about her co-workers. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it doesn't say help her co-workers with their job, no. I guess. Okay. They're just all having problems and right. she's sick of their complaining about it. Well, I think the idea, right, is that Paige doesn't realize how, like, dangerous spells can be. Right. So she's like, oh, I'm like a new witch. I'm going to help everybody and these all backfire. It's like a monkey's paw kind of sitch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She doesn't know how to use the Book of Shadows, the weight loss cookbook yet. Yeah, she, like, casts a spell on one of her co-workers so that they can read thinking that'll help them but then they start reading some like dangerous political manifestos and get radicalized oh jesus and he's suddenly like oh what is this about i believe this now and this was early internet who knows what there was then oh yeah it's bad stuff the marital woe people they all backfire right so yeah it's like oh we're gonna make you really much better with men and it works with her husband but also a bunch of other dudes so now her relationship's in turmoil because these guys just can't stop fawning over her. So now Paige has to like walk a shame the Book of Shadows back to her new sisters and be like, I messed up. Can you fix it? Please fix it for another pea girl. And Piper does it, I guess, even though she's like the shittiest one. Yeah, that's how basic these spells are too. Paige is pretty new. Yeah, Piper's like, boom, bang, bang. That's the witch sound she makes. And um, <laughs> yeah, they sound very unprofessional. So then these uh, library co-workers of hers are just back to being illiterate, unhappy happy people. But happier than they were a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And then Paige teaches them to read. All of them. Because actually none of them could, but it was only really a problem for one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the episode. This has been Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. So then we watched Buffy. Stacy, tell us all about the harsh light of day. So this episode is about how Buffy can't have sex without something going wrong. <laughs> and Spike's there. Unrelated. True. For now? Forever. Okay. I know you're like pushing for Spike and Buffy to hook up. Mm-hmm. And there's an episode later this season where I think you're getting a lot of your ideas from. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not the way you think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically everyone has sex and no one ends up happy. Except maybe Willow and Oz are probably fine. Yeah, totally fine. So it opens on the bronze. Oz's band is playing. He's wearing a shirt that says Dragon Inn, which is interesting, like the dragonfly in. Right. The lead singer is wearing an outfit that does not fit him. His shirt is very short. I think all of his clothes seem too small. Maybe after Angel left, the costume department got rid of all the tall people clothes? (laughs) I just don't remember this being like a fad for men to wear crop tops, but... I mean, he's a singer. Like, I don't know. People that sing wear weird shit. Is he? Biff Naked was dressed weird. Yeah. Maybe this was left over from Biff Naked. Sure. She had a crop top. I didn't look at her midriff. I did. The lead singer sounds like the lead singer of The Calling. I'm assuming this isn't the actor that's singing for real. It just sounds like a very distinctive real band voice. Do you know? I don't know, actually. If you know, call us. I do know that this is the last time we'll see that guy. What? Where's he going? He's gone. Is he dead? 
I don't know where he goes, but he's gone. They're going to L.A. Does Angel eat him? Angel eats him. It's kind of sad. Okay, well, their band is planning a big trip to L.A. Maybe they shouldn't go. Yeah, they shouldn't, but... Buffy has apparently been spending almost every night this week with Parker Abrams. Remember him? Guy from the cafeteria? Nice guy. And she's kind of like spying on him up in the security mirror. She's just excited to be dating a guy with a reflection. He eventually comes over and kind of flirtily offers to walk her home. when She pretends that's a service she actually needs. It seems like she's waiting for him, right? I feel like she's waiting for him to approach her. Well, she was like trying to be cool because she's like, I'm not here with him tonight. I don't need to crowd him. Right. But she clearly like wishes she was talking to him instead of Willow. I almost got the impression that she was like, he's going to ask to walk me home. Yeah, maybe. We need to take a step back, though. To you what? said that you want Parker. You want Parker and I thought Parker was clearly better looking than Riley. Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe Riley's more my type. Really? I think Parker has a better face. Riley's a little Pete Holmesy. Yeah. But I, I think I generally prefer like more blonde blue types. You know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I, I'm not like exclusive when it comes to these things. With just one man. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about this later. I mean, in the podcast, not like after you and me. Uh, let's hurry up this podcast. I got to talk to you about some shit. There's Gilmore things I want to talk about. I see, I see. Can't. Later in the alley, Willow sees Harmony. They haven't seen each other since graduation. Harmony's like, remember that? Big snake, huh? That was funny. <laughs> they kind of set up that these two were not friends, but like are friendly. Like at the very end of graduation, she was like signing her yearbook and they were pretending they ever liked each other. Right. They have some nice small talk. Harmony really wants to go to France. That's like a big thing this whole episode. And then she reveals herself as a vampire. We saw her get bit on the season three finale. Didn't see her get sired, but apparently someone did that real quick amongst all the mayor chaos. And then she bites Willow a little bit. Oz manages after the intro song to fight her off with a crucifix and a mic stand. Harmony's all like, mm, I have a boyfriend too, and he's going to be mad that you were mean to me. Now, I have an idea who this boyfriend might be. Why, because of the credits? Yep. <laughs> it's Digger. What the hell? I'm just like waiting for that black car to come smashing into the Sunnydale sign, but it, it doesn't. <laughs> it's funny that I called him Digger now that I think about it, because he spends most of his episode digging. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, right in the credits of the episode, it says James Marsters as Spike. That's like such a big spoiler. Yeah, you think they should like have to put that stuff at the end because it is big spoilers. You almost like can't read those. Parker's walking Buffy home. He sees the scar on her neck from where Angel did that thing to her. Buffy asks if she can see his scars. Down, girl. Jesus. Let him walk you home first. And Parker's all like, the only scar I have is my dead dad. I'm a sensitive, vulnerable type. You like that, don't you, Buffy? Listen, there's sensitive guitar music playing. <laughs> He says he's all about living for now, now, that his dad died. In the moment, I, I thought this was cool, I guess, but I've seen the whole episode now, so it sounds pretty shitty. <laughs> She's like, me too, because I drowned once. I don't put stuff off anymore. Like, hell you don't. You put off killing Angel. You put off telling people about Angel when he was back. You put off confronting Faith. You put off figuring the ascension. <laughs> you put shit off all the time. But not anymore, okay? Not anymore. Not since college. Yeah. But he's like... Oh, you get me so hard, Buffy. <laughs> wow, I mean, really like changes tone. I mean, like he understands her. <laughs> like he gets her hard, not like she gets him hard. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 I think I think I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, like he gets her hard. Hard. <laughs> not like she gets him hard. Which is weird. So now she's hard. He's hard. Someone's getting paid. They relate on a deep level is yeah. what he's trying to say. Yeah. He's like, I can't imagine relating to anyone else like this. And he asked her to a party the next night. 
He gets her home. They're about to kiss. And then Oz and Willow show up with the news about Harmony. Willow's casually holding her neck. They're all speaking in vampire code in front of Parker. It's kind of a fun running bit that they're not trying to tell anyone about their vampire stuff. They should come up with a code, don't you think? Yeah. In this case, it's there's an evil puppy. That's what bit Buffy, and that's what's biting Harmony, too. This scene was funny, though, because, like, Willow's, like, kind of being pleasant and, like, exchanging pleasantries with Parker until he leaves. And then she's like, Band-Aid, please. No. <laughs> Thank you. So Parker leaves. They're trying to figure out who could possibly date dumb, dumb, dead Harmony. Cut to Harmony's boyfriend, my boyfriend, Spike. He's, like... Burrowing? Just doing some burrowing, baby. He's got this whole underground excavation expedition with these workers he's hired. They're they're vampires, too. Trying to find some crypt. Harmony wants him to kill Willow, and he's like, no, then Buffy's gonna know I'm here. But Harmony keeps pestering him. She doesn't want to eat the guy that he's, like, brought for her to eat because she knows him from high school (laughs) and says he tastes gross. So that's very interesting. Why? And actually pretty smart that I did not realize until this way through. Okay. For one, he is an extra that's been in a couple episodes before as a classmate. So that makes sense. But also, there is a reason he tastes funny, which I did not realize the first time I watched this. Is he a swimmer? No. And I cannot talk to you about it. Oh, great. Cool. But it, it seems like just a throwaway line, but there's maybe more to it. Well, will you let me know when I can know? No. Okay. (laughs) Spike is very mean to Harmony. Like, maybe kind of abusive, but she likes it? It becomes clear for him, at least, that their relationship is just about sex. I don't really know what she sees in him. Just like a tough, powerful vampire that's showing her the ropes because she's new and he's like taking care of her? I mean, some women like super dominant, violent dudes. I, I guess. And like you said, he is the alpha dude. But, like, her main priority in life right now is going to Paris. Right. And she, like, wants to go out and go on trips and stuff, and he does not want to do that with her. Right. But she agrees to fuck him in front of this guy she knows if he takes her to a party. So he says tonight he'll take her somewhere nice. Parker and Buffy have arrived at the party. Turns out this is the nice place that Spike is also bringing Harmony. (laughs) And they've brought the guy that they're eating for some reason. They're just, like, holding him up. I thought that was a new guy. I don't know it kind of looks like the same guy either way it's weird that they have a guy with them that's like dead right at first i was like what are you doing buffy kill them both right now but i guess she's trying not to tell people her deal so they chat a little you know catch up how you doing spike and then spike just bails buffy catches up to him and then harmony kind of interrupts them and spills the beans that they're searching for the gem of amara Spike's like, Harmony, I'm going to take you home and hit you. He doesn't say that, but like he's so so aggressive. He like grabs her. I know she's a demon, but like I lost a little respect for Spike here. He's not nice. You lost respect for the guy who kills and eats people? He seems sensitive. Last time we saw him, he was like real sad about Drew. Okay. Yeah. I thought he like, he like loved Drew. Yeah. He wasn't like this to her. No. And she wasn't like smart. I don't know. I don't know that she's like that different than Harmony. Mm -hmm. She was always saying nonsense. I guess he's like on a mission now. Whatever. Buffy calls Giles to tell him about the gem. Giles is like, no, that's not real. It's like the vampire, holy grail, some great source of power, but no one's ever found it. So whatever, Buffy, it's not real. He tells her to go to bed. (laughs) Pack off, Giles. You go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) You're not her dad. I know you're her dad, but you're not her dad. I think he was like saying, don't worry, you can go to bed. Like... Don't, don't stay up stressed. I guess, yeah. But Buffy doesn't go to bed. She goes back to the party. She insists Spike is just her old alcoholic friend and that they definitely did not date. It's laughable that they would date. Interesting. 
She takes off her jacket. Very sexy back on the shirt that she's wearing. It seems intentional. She took off her jacket. They slow dance very close to the lead singer of the band. You said you know this band? Biff Naked? Yeah. Yeah. The song did sound familiar. Lucky Ones or something? Yeah. Later, Parker's like blabbing about how romantic his history major is, somehow landing on the topic that he believes people in history have always had a choice with everything they do. And then he kisses her and he's like, I can, I can stop. It's up to you. And she makes a choice, which is sex with Parker. The song they were dancing to keeps playing all the way through. They're very made for TV sex. Just, you know, she's under the covers somehow, but they're still doing it. I mean, there, there's no indication that sex is happening other than they're naked and there's blankets. Right. <laughs> but we know. It happened. It happened. Giles, during the sex, discovers something about the gem and he calls her. She, of course, does not answer. She's busy. He's always butting into her sex life. He wants to know. But they're not the only ones having sex. Harmony, back at Spike's house... Lair? Basement? Tunnel? Wherever they're staying. She's being really annoying. Spike just wants to read his basement maps. And this somehow turns sexy. Like, she brings up Drusilla in a negative way, which he really doesn't like, and then that turns him on more? I don't get hot people. They're, they're like, fighting and, like, very hateful. Right. (laughs) Turns into very passionate sex. That felt too hot for TV. They actually didn't show anything, but it just, it seemed very, like, this I buy. I've been skipping the Xander parts, but... Most people do, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's about to converge, so we'll catch up with him. Xander, this whole time, is working for Giles? Just, like, at his house, helping him alphabetize books? I get Xander needs money, but, like, does Giles really need help with this? And can he afford to pay Xander? Giles just likes spending time with Xander. He does not. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't good for either of them. Giles doesn't have a job. Like, organize your own damn books for free, dude. Why are they also not organized? I guess they're all in boxes still from the library. They might be the library books. Yeah. I think Angel took some, though, because he's got a bunch of books in L.A. Yeah. He's probably, like, looking for those books. Like, where are my books? We've been watching Angel. I've seen two. Then Anya just walks in. She's like, you should lock your door. He makes, like, a joke about it, but he, he really should. This is only the third episode, and it's the second time someone's just walked into his house. She says she needs to talk to Xander and tells Giles to go away. <laughs> She's funny. From his house. Yeah. She's like, what are you still doing here? Go away. It's funny how she has like no people skills. Right. She and Angel should date. So her and Xander just go outside and she kind of awkwardly asks Xander to define their relationship. She says she can't stop thinking about him and she's been having like naked dreams about him. He's like, whoa, babe, slow down. You can't force this. Later, Xander's in his little basement room installing a disco ball for some reason. And Anya just kind of shows up and takes her clothes off. And this is where that juice box comes in. I thought that was funny. He just like squeezes the juice box. Yeah, he's like offering her one. And then when he sees her naked, he just like squeezes it all out. She reads him the dictionary definition of platonic sexual intercourse and the specific terms with which she'd like them to proceed. She thinks if they have sex, she'll be able to put him behind her but that she would like to do face-to-face for the event itself. (laughs) Sander is hesitant. He says that sex is about expressing something and accepting consequences. And she's like, oh, I have condoms. Some are black. (laughs) Why is that relevant? Because it's sexy. Can she get pregnant? She's a human now. She is actually fully human? Yeah. Okay. She says she likes him because he's funny and he's nicely shaped. Just very robotically pitching sex to him. And he says this is still somehow more romantic than Faith was. So they do it. 
I want to point out real quick, uh, today at my first day back at my job in office, mm. uh, my coworker's there and we were talking about Buffy. He loved Buffy. Oh, I thought you were going to say he got naked. Yeah, he got naked and I was like, you're nicely shaped. Um, <laughs> uh, but we were talking about, he was like, oh yeah, I love Buffy. Uh, and he was like, you know, why wouldn't I? Like Xander was definitely very cute. And I was like, Oh, really? He didn't think Angel was that cute. He thought Xander was really cute. And he was like, it's the same way that like Cole was just really cute. It was the only good thing about him on Charmed. <laughs> I was like, oh, Cole's cute. Okay. Interesting. He said, though, that Charmed sucked. Is he going to listen to our podcast? Well, maybe. Is that the guy that's in Sleep No More? Yeah. Interesting. If you haven't seen Sleep No More, you should check it out. If it's happening. Yeah, I don't know if it's happening. It's an interactive theater experience in New York City. That's like Macbeth and something else, right? Yeah, it's really interactive. Like, you can go there yourself, and then, like, there's actors, and then you can get COVID. I think I got kissed. I got kissed. Did I get kissed? I think we both got kissed. I can't remember. Either I got kissed or just very intimately spoken into my ear. I got kissed. Not in the mouth. No. A bald lady made me rub her head. That's that's more intimate than a kiss. It's not as sexy as we're making it sound. We know what to look for. I mean, there is sexiness. Yeah. But you don't have to get kissed or rub someone's head. You can just watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all the details we're going to get. And it's dark. (laughs) And everyone's wearing a mask. It sounds like a sex party. And there's a minotaur sex scene, all right? That's all that's real. That we actively sought out several times. Yeah. You're going to want to see it. We are on a tangent, but seriously, check it out. Yeah. Anyway, Xander has sex with Anya. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that Xander's like reluctance to have sex with this woman who's very attractive. I mean, the last time he did that, it like almost ended in his death. So you could see why he might be a little right. Because I was like, I don't buy that Xander's so hesitant to have sex with this woman who's currently human that's naked in his bedroom right now. Right. But you're right. Last time Faith tried to kill him after not immediately after the sex, but he she kicks him out, so he has like no emotional connection to her from that. But then later she tries to have sex with him again, and when he refuses, she tries to kill him. And Anya previously has been a very um, anti-male demon, so we don't yeah. know that she hasn't gotten her powers back and has come to kill him. Or won't in the future, and then, like, extract some kind of revenge on him. Right. But it seems to go fine. Yeah. The next day, Buffy wakes up naked and alone in Parker's room. He comes back in with coffee. Well, first there's that moment, kind of like an angel moment, where she wakes up and she can, like, he's gone. Oh, my God. Like, did it happen again? She turned him evil? Yeah. Mm, I didn't think about that, but yeah. He comes back in with coffee, and she's like, so what are you going to do today? And he's like, yeah, my mom's coming, so, like, maybe you should go. And she's like, okay, maybe we can talk later, though. He's like, totally, yeah, 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 I'll give you a call, like, tonight, ASAP. He kisses her gross morning mouth goodbye. We established last episode she doesn't floss or brush her teeth, so. Even if she does do those things sometimes, there's no way she did last night staying in his place. Xander and Anya are finishing up their encounter. Anya very not believably says, so I'm over you now. Xander's like, okay. And then she just gets mad at him and storms out because he didn't say more. Yeah, I love his line. He's just like, okay. (laughs) What do you want from me? None of this makes sense to me. Harmony is sharpieing Spike loves Harmony on Spike's back. He tells her he loves syphilis more than her. (laughs) All very romantic mornings. Yeah. Buffy arrives back at her dorm, all walk a shamey. I think her hair is supposed to be disheveled, but it looks great. It's like a good disheveled. And who's there? Giles. He's hanging out with Willow. They didn't have sex, did they? <laughs> yeah. 
We did see Will and Oz have a sex. Yeah, who knows what happened? They, he called late last night. They might have been hanging out all night. Giles's door was unlocked. We know that. <laughs> I think Giles just maybe needed like a computer. Yeah. But it is weird that he's in their room, maybe. Like, I know Willow's not worried about what Giles is going to do alone with her, but like, what is the front desk situation in this dorm? Well, if this school is anything like Sunnydale, no one gives a shit when a random adult comes over. Yeah. Also, like, they're trying to save the world, so it's not crazy that he's like, can I use your computer to help us save the world? No, but I just imagine him walking to this dorm, tipping his little non-existent British hat at, like, the front desk girl. Right. Like, I'm just going to go hang out with my teen friends. Cheerio. Giles is like, so Buffy, how was the sex? Not really, but, like, he knows. He knows what she did. I don't, does he? I think Willow does. I, I don't know. Buffy's really uncomfortable. She's like, I was just out all night. No big deal. Mm, it's my personal life. Don't ask. Mm-hmm. I, I think he knows. She okay. was with someone else. Well, because Willow's like, how did it go? She's like mouthing that. Yeah, yeah. But Giles doesn't see. But I, I think Giles is like uncomfortable and is trying okay. to get out of there. Maybe when, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he leaves, he like runs away, which is often how he leaves a room. But Giles says that maybe Spike is right. This book he read makes it sound like the gem is here in Sunnydale. Spike is getting very close to finding the gem. He, like, basically grounds Harmony. He's like, no one can leave the lair. I don't want Buffy tracking us. We're so close. And she's all like, Spike, what about France, though? And it's clear to all the vampire lackeys that they're about to have one of their couple fights. They all just, like, groan and walk away. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like one of them says, I'll check that email. <laughs> <laughs> the caption just says, like, all Groans. vampires yeah. groan. <laughs> it really sounds like he says something about an email. Vampires be using computers. We've seen Angel use computers. Yeah, in Angel, the show, which we've seen some of. Thanks for clarifying, hon. Mm-hmm. Spike tells Harmony that Sunnydale has a history of kicking his ass. I feel like he would say arse. This kind of revealed him as not actually being British. Mm. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brits. I will say that a bunch of British people have said in different groups that they think that his accent is, like, very well done. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of them were actually surprised he wasn't British. Why is he British? I don't know. Just to have been around Angel in the past? I guess. I don't know. But he's like, shut the fuck up about France. I don't love you. I can't make that clear enough. And she's like, I don't know why I let you be so mean to me. But like, for real, date one of those stupid vampires. You guys would be great together. Yeah. Buffy's on a quest to find Harmony. It's nighttime now and Parker still hasn't called. Meanwhile, Spike has successfully drilled his way into the Cave of Wonders. It's just like gems and shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. He puts on what he think is the gem on like a necklace, but it doesn't stop a cross from burning him. Harmony has followed him there and she just starts putting on various jewelry. And then big mistake, she starts babbling about France again and Spike stakes her with like a giant stake and she doesn't die? Turns out the ring she put on is the gem. He very rudely takes it away from her and just kind of leaves. I I think they're broken up now. A good relationship can survive someone trying to kill you. (laughs) She's not over him either is the funny thing. Yeah. He was over her before he met her. (laughs) The gang is at Giles' house. Oz loves Giles' record collection. And then Xander discovers that Giles has a TV and makes a big deal out of how he has a TV, how he's shallow like them. And Willow and Oz kind of pretend that they're disappointed in him. He's just like stammering, trying to come up with an excuse for why he has a TV. Mm -hmm. It's very funny. But on the TV, they see that a sinkhole has opened up near the campus. They figure this is Spike getting into the tunnel, so they go to find Buffy. Meanwhile, Buffy's just like casually walking around a completely calm campus. You'd think if there was a sinkhole, there'd be panic and like evacuations, but everyone's just business as usual. It is Sunnydale, to be fair. They say in the news that they're like roping off the area and stuff. You'd think class would be canceled. Well, I mean, it's not like right outside the campus. It said it was near it. 
Buffy stumbles across Parker, talking to some woman who's not as attractive as Buffy, telling her the same story about his dead dad and not wanting to put stuff off. And this puts Buffy off, that's for sure. She's like, hey, you kind of didn't call. And he's like, shoo shoo, other girl. He's like, what? It's, it's been like a couple days. Did you think you were like my girlfriend or whatever? Because I'm kind of seeing like a bunch of girls. I got this whole fake vulnerability thing I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. and we were just having like fun friend sex. He's like, do you really want a commitment right now? I totally get her perspective. Like she's young and hasn't been with a lot of people. It makes sense that she would like fall hard for this. I, I can't say that I wouldn't at her age. Yeah. And her only other real love was a guy who was like, all in, you know, like mm-hmm. I will die for you. But that's the thing, like maybe she shouldn't be looking for commitment right now. Like she just got out of a forever relationship where she was like, I'm totally fine with growing old with you and you're going to look young and I'm going to be old. Right. I totally understand what you're saying. But I also think that he could have called her. Yeah. It, it seemed like he was gonna. Like I bought it. I thought he liked her. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like it was a bit of a trick. Like I think he would have called her again for sex at some point. Because he didn't say I'll call you sometime. He made it sound like he would call that night for sure. Yeah. And I feel like him not calling is an intentional thing. Like I'm going to make her want me and like get upset. And then as soon as I call, she'll be excited that I called. What I don't get is like Buffy is prettier than this other girl. Like if he could have sex with Buffy again that night, why wouldn't he just call Buffy again that night? Right. I've never done like the casual dating thing super much, a a little bit, but like, I don't know. I just don't get the mindset of Parker, like why he wouldn't just keep having sex with this hot girl that wants to have sex with him. Right. He probably honestly has like one of those like pickup artist like systems where he's like, I'm going to call her after eight days and then you just get like different, you know, get as many women as you can. You got seven women. You can just have someone every night. Yeah. And it's maybe like a conquest thing for him too. Parker, it's not just about the cafeteria food. I was lying when I called him a nice guy, guys. Just to make it clear, he's a piece of shit. You said he's an important character. Is he coming back? He's an important character, but he's a piece of shit. Spike's an important character. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Parker. He's like, whatever. You cray. Gotta go. Do you think his story is real? Like his dead dad and all that? Um, I think it definitely could be. Because when he... Spike meets him, he like reads him as being vulnerable. Yeah. And I don't know that Spike has any kind of intuition. Or maybe he just picks up on the fact that Parker's been acting vulnerable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't look... He's got, like, big doughy eyes. Yeah, I just don't know if that's, like, a lie or if that's, like, is his truth, but he's like, I can use this to get women. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Spike has overheard all of this. He's just right there. It's daytime. He can be in the day now because of his new ring. And we get a rare daytime vampire fight with Spike's much wider-headed stunt double. (laughs) It's just... I mean, it's obvious when there's stunt doubles, but Spike's... The actor has such, like, a narrow, defined jaw... And his stunt double does not. I think I've seen a picture of him from the front. They actually look quite a bit similar, like yeah. facially, but it's, I don't know, it's just, it, that's not its head. Buffy figures out that Spike must be outside because of the gem, which he shows her. Why? Why would you tell yeah. her where the source of your invincibility is? Like, she's going to try to go for your hand now. Yeah. The rest of the gang has found the tunnel where Harmony is still hiding. She tells them that she gave the gem to Spike and she escapes. Xander goes looking for Buffy at her dorm, and Anya finds him? Like, how many places did she look? I mean, I guess, like, Buffy and Willow there, so maybe his friend's house is in, like, the top ten places she'd look. Again, what is the front door situation? My college was small enough that we didn't really have any checkpoints in the dorms. Like, at night, I think you had to swipe your card when there was no person, but, like, during the day, you could have just walked into a dorm and no one would have questioned you. Mm -hmm. I think my boyfriend, though, went to, like, a slightly bigger school, and there you always had to be like, I don't go here, here's who I am. yeah. She wants to talk to Xander. Turns out she's not over him. He's like, shut up. I don't have time. And he walks away. 
Xander appears at the fight and kind of distracts Spike for a second by like letting him toss him against a building. Yeah, I know. It's just like, I'm here to get my ass kicked. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's trying to help. He's Yeah, like last episode, Xander kind of shows up for the big show and didn't really help. I don't know that he really helped this time either, but I guess he broke up the fight briefly. I don't know. Buffy might have just won anyway, but it gave them like a talking break. Spike starts taunting Buffy for having sex with Parker. He spells out the game Parker played on her and points out it doesn't seem like she's worth having sex with more than once. And basically the like angel told him that too about her. And Buffy doesn't like that. This gives her a second wind. I get that Spike's evil and wants to mess with her and like thinks he's invincible right now, but why would he light a fire under her ass? Right. I mean, I think it is because he feels invincible. He has killed two slayers before. Right. And now he's got this like thing that theoretically makes him unstoppable. Yeah, I guess it would make sense that he would be confident. But like without the ring, she should easily beat him, right? Yep, she has multiple times. But there's really no way for her to beat him now, although he showed her the ring. Except for taking that ring off real easy like she does. Yeah. She's about to take it off, and he's like, don't do it, or we'll both burn. I thought that was a great line, because it showed that Spike's smart. Like, that's not true, but, like, right. magic is crazy. Like, maybe it would have. It would make me pause. Yeah, but she didn't really pause. She just, like, calls his bluff and pulled it off. Yep. I mean, it doesn't really make sense that she would burn, but she doesn't really know the rules of the ring. Yeah. He must have, like, a second before the powers wear off, because he doesn't seem comfortable when she takes it off, but he's definitely got, like, a few seconds to get underground yeah. without bursting into flames or anything. Back at Giles' house, they're talking about destroying the ring. Buffy doesn't want to destroy it. She wants to give it to Angel. So Oz is going to drop it off when he goes up with his band. It's a good idea. It's nice that she's thinking of him, but it's also going to put a target on him if Spike or anyone else finds out he has it. And Spike knows Buffy has it and can assume she gave it to Angel. I know Spike's an angel. I don't know when. How do you know that Spike is an angel? Oh, just Googling angel. That's fan fiction that someone filmed. And shot photo shoots of Spike and Angel in the same picture. Yeah, it's a little weird that people went so far with this fanfic stuff. I have no extent to which he's an angel, but they're old friends. (laughs) Well, kind of. Later, Buffy's talking to Willow, wondering if this is always going to happen when she sleeps with guys. And he's just going to become evil always. And Willow's trying to comfort her. And Buffy, like, still wants to be with Parker. Willow's like, girl, no, 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 no. Honey. No. I think that's real though, right? I yeah. mean, that's like a real emotion. Like, it makes sense on paper to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. He fucked me over. But like, if we're being real about real people, she still wants that acceptance. Yeah. Cause like, even during their like breakup, quote unquote, she's like, no, it was my fault. I like did this wrong. I was being too clingy. Right. So I think she thinks if she tries to take it slow, they can make it work. But I don't know. I don't know that that's what he's looking for. It's not. Buffy's like, leave me alone, Willow. I want to walk by myself. So she starts walking around this little triangle. But also walking around this triangle is a triangle of women. we got a sad Harmony and a sad Anya. I don't know if they end up seeing each other, but they're just walking. And that's the end. Sad ending. Brian, was this a good one? Um, Yeah, I think it was a good one. As far as Buffy episode goes, not one of the best. But yeah, I think it was a good one. Again, I think it was the best of the season. Yeah. So far. It was fun having Spike back. Having the gem just like immediately taken from him was sort of... A letdown. The existence of the gem is exciting. Yeah. Having Harmony back was funny. The whole Anya-Xander thing is funny. So yeah, I think it was a good one. Yeah, Anya's pretty funny. She's filling the Cordelia Chase role. Sure. But like, she's like Cordelia amped up, you know? Like, Cordelia understood social norms if she chose to ignore them. Mm Mm-hmm. Anya's like, yeah, I don't understand. She's like a robot. Yeah, Cordelia was like above them. Yeah. So which do you think was a better episode? It's it's close. They've all all been pretty close this season. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Gilmore. Yeah. 
This was a good episode of Buffy compared to the ones we've seen so far this season. Mm-hmm. I, I like Spike. It was exciting. Like, stuff happened. But a lot of the stuff that happened was, like, unpleasant. Like, Harmony being annoying and Spike being mean isn't particularly, like, fun to watch. Or, like, Buffy being hurt isn't, like, fun to watch. So it was kind of, like, sad. Yeah. And it had good scenes, for sure. And there was some funny stuff with Giles, always. And Xander and Anya was funny. But I just thought, I don't know, I was really excited by a lot of the stuff in Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And Gilmore Girls was pretty funny throughout, and I, I don't think it had as many things that were annoying to me. But it's very close. What do you think? Oof. I'm torn. Yeah, I'm really torn. Because I've already said this, but, like, the Gilmore had, is very packed with jokes. But, like, some of the, like, emotional stuff was, I honestly, I thought was kind of eye-rolly. I thought Suki's thing was kind of, like, whatever. Like, you don't know anything about kids. You, you're having a kid. You're not reading books about kids. You don't know what kids eat. But Buffy, like, I liked that she had, like, a real problem with a man that wasn't, like, magic. It was just like, no, like, there's predatory guys who are emotionally going to manipulate you. Yeah, I mean, like, she was dealing with Spike, but her real monster was Parker this week. And it was an interesting juxtaposition of, I don't know if what Parker did was abuse. I wouldn't call it abuse, but it was, like, manipulative. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting because, like, on the one hand, you see an abusive boyfriend, Spike, that's one way a guy could be shitty. Yeah. Another way is for this guy to, like, kind of trick you into having sex with you and then, like, you know, emotionally hurting you. And she went from dating, like, a real monster, like an actual monster, mm-hmm. who was, like, gentle and would never do something like that to her. So she's yeah. just, like, not used to that behavior either. I liked this episode because it referenced previous episodes, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Faith, like, Buffy's scars, Buffy drowning. Uh, I think, ah, it's, I'm so torn. I I think I'm going Gilmore, though. Interesting. I'm torn. I don't know. Gilmore, I just had more jokes that worked for me. Even though, like, there's just some parts I really didn't like about it. Another thing I really liked about Gilmore Girls was their phone call. Yeah. When Lorelai was wearing the glasses and Mm -hmm. Rory just, like, called her. And they just, like, both went into their day. Right. As if they were still home together. Yeah. I don't even know if they said hello. One of them just called the other and was like, oh, my gosh, this crazy thing happened. And then the other one was like, this crazy thing happened to me. Yep. I don't. I just thought it was cool the way they've adapted their relationship to being long distance. Mm-hmm. That's the first time we've really seen that. People are going to be crazy. Like a Spike episode and you went with Gilmore Girls. But yeah, I think I'm gonna. Spike wasn't that fun in it. No. I, I like when Spike's funny and he was just mean. Yep. I'm not giving up on Spike. That's what Harmony said. And look what happened to her. Yeah. You should have given up, Harmony. All right. So we're going to go both with Gilmore on that one. But it's tough. It's close. Yeah. As is usual, honestly. I'm excited for this season. Both shows. I'm excited for the next episode of Angel. Yeah, he's going to get that ring. Yeah. Then he essentially just becomes Superman for the rest of the show. If you guys want to watch along, next week we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 4, Fear Itself, with one of my favorite jokes of the entire show. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 4, Chicken or Beef. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do having guest stars in the credits ruin the surprise in the episode? Yes. Do your kids like spicy mac and cheese? Did you feel that Suki's journey and like problems were like realistically portrayed or did it seem like not real? Do vampires email? How did you feel about Harmony and Spike's relationship? What do you think Giles really watches on that TV? Do you think Giles knew that Buffy had sex? Oh, yeah. Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for more bonus content, you can subscribe to our Patreon page, where we post weekly video reviews of the show, Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties, and share other bonus content. We've got some new Patreon subscribers we want to shout out. 
Thank you so much to Katrin Mills, Matt E., Melissa Murphy, Rebecca B., Jenny and Tom, Bradley Battaglia, Katie, Natalie Elizabeth, and Rachel McVicker. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by subscribing to our Patreon or by taking advantage of our wine partnership with Wink or by making a one-time donation. All of these options are linked in the episode description and in our social media bios. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing your feedback, and it really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. And for even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacey. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at Brian and Stacey Reviews at gmail.com. Happy Halloween!